What a beautiful sound to start the next episode of Crack the Ceiling podcast. An actual real sound of us cracking open a can and not just my amazing sound effects. It only took us like four or five episodes to finally remember to wait to open the can till we started recording. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Only. And see your face. Yeah, it's been a few weeks um, since we recorded why, an episode. Yeah, yeah. And Lindsay, can you explain why it's been a few weeks since we've been able to record another episode? Um, since our last episode, we have been in two lockdowns. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've turned manic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So our last episode we recorded. Um. I think that was, was it June? I can't even remember. I have no idea. It would have been the end of lockdown four and we are now in lockdown six because it's been very short stints between lockdowns at this point. Yeah. Um, We had our uh, wedge, wedge episode, a wedge episode. Uh, And yeah, so basically we've moved away from recording in person to thank you, Luke, for sorting out virtual podcast recording because now we can actually, one, talk to other human beings while stuck at home, and two, actually keep recording podcasts while we aren't allowed out to talk to anybody. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, Yeah, so we've been in a couple of lockdowns. Um, But we're here now in our respective homes. (laughs) We are in our living rooms and bedrooms, and we are podcasting. But, like, but you know what? Tiff, how <laughs> lucky are we? Because we did get to go to Deeds just a few days yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are the – so, a few days ago, Lindsay and I were like, listen, we need to catch up, plan out the next, like, month or two of podcasts. So, we had a whole list of places we wanted to go, and we were like, you know what? Forget it. Spontaneous trip. Took an adventure out to check out the new Deeds Brewing Tap Room in Glen Iris. And Which I'm really glad we did place. that. Yeah, so glad we did it. So glad. <laughs> Super cool space. Beers were good. We had we overordered on the snacks, which is, you know, Fine. pretty well. Everyone was like, wait, do you have more coming? And we were like, Yeah, we do. We're trying them all. Yep. Just keep it coming, it which good time in hindsight, thank God we did, because those are going to be the last snacks we had for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, but the brewery was gorgeous. The beers were really good. Yeah. Their taproom series IPAs are excellent, which you can only get done in the taproom. But when things are opened up again, if you're in Melbourne, definitely go check out the space. Make a booking. Yeah. It was yeah. It was very fun. Very fun. I'm glad we did that. I'm glad I was really looking forward to checking it out. So I'm glad we got to do that. Um, Lindsay, is there anything else you've been up to lately? Um, my first production beer is being released. 
um, for Science Made Beerable for Ooh. National Science Week. It's my first recipe um, that I worked on with Lindsay Astorita and um, Colette, who's our lab and sensory, um, respectively. Uh, yeah, so that went into cans. Um, I was supposed to be flying to Tassie next week for the event, which obviously isn't happening now. But um, anyone in Australia can order it online. Of course, by the time this comes out, you probably won't be able to get your hands on it because um, orders close on Monday the 9th. So anyway, that's exciting. Yay, I have a beer in a can. It is exciting, and I got to try it, and it was really, really nice. Oh. Really like it's a really ballsy lager, and I really liked it. Yeah, it's a it's a very 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 hoppy 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 heavily hopped lager. In hindsight, I think I could have toned down on the bittering additions, but um, okay. I was playing with a yeast I had never used and a hop that I had never used, which was Eclipse from Hop Products Australia, um, which is just a beautiful hop. So looking forward to throwing that in some more stuff in the near future. Um, Tiff, what are you up to? Oh, not a whole lot. Thanks to um, continual closures of of state borders, I was meant to be judging the Drink Easy Awards next week, and I was super excited to do that. Uh, between that and BrewCon being canceled, I'm just hanging out at home drinking drinking good beers at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can never make plans again. <laughs> Pretty much it. I've really lowered life expectations in the last few weeks. I'm just going to roll with that for a little while. Um, But, you know, at least we are all healthy and we have jobs and I have a whole cellar full of booze that I need to get through at some point. Same. And I also just spent all of the money that I was, well, not all of it, but some of the money that I've been saving to go to Tassie, I just spent on cheese. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to making a massive platter tonight. Um, my lockdown benefits but all right we have a really good guest we have a really awesome guest i'm really excited about our guest today me too <laughs> well okay so here's the reason why i'm so it. excited about having cherry on today with us yes. so the whole thing was that we started this podcast and we wanted to talk to the people who are really driving the beer industry in australia but who aren't you know, the faces that we see all the time, not the head brewers and the owners. Um, so I'm really excited to have Cherry from Black Hearts and Sparrows with us today. Hey, Cherry. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm excited to be here today. Welcome. Okay. Oh, thank you. It's, it's nice to see other people outside <laughs> of my house. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, you are the beer buyer, the singular only beer buyer. The singular um, only beer buyer. Yeah. When I started the job, um, there was eight stores and it was a relatively chill role, like a lot of work, but like eight stores is achievable pretty much. But now there is 14 and it's just, it's a completely different job from when I started. And that's happened within, I want to say four years. Yeah. I think I've been doing it for four years. So it was actually a part-time job when I started. Like I was working part-time, arranging eight stores and running my own business at the same time. And then um, when more and more stores opened, I was like, look, it's got to be one or the other. I can't range 14 stores and run a business so I jumped on board full-time um just because I was enjoying it so so much like I just I was having a lot of fun and 
it's it's a great job. It's a really and good job. What's your background? Like, how did you fall into that position, or how did that position come about? Did you grow up as a young person, always dreaming to be a beer buyer? <laughs> no, not at all. It's it's kind of an odd situation. So, um, I I'm a chef and a pastry chef by trade. So that is my background. So I probably started in kitchens. I'm pretty sure when I was. I think 14 I started working part-time wow. wow and I kind of was like the classic like start at the bottom work your way up uh worked as a chef for years um I wanted to transition into patisserie so I moved to Melbourne and went to culinary school and trained as a pastry chef and then just worked around Melbourne um cooking and um yeah I had some really fun chefing jobs but I think when you're chefing, you're always interested in booze as well. Like you're always interested in like wine and beer. Um, and I kind of got to a point in my life where I was like, oh, I feel like I'm just ready to do something a little bit different, but I don't know what it is exactly. I just wanted a bit of a break from bad hours and bad pay of being in a kitchen. <laughs> and um, so I started studying viticulture, um, which I loved. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't. I, I didn't finish. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't finish the course. It was just like a, a, I did it for, I think, um, about four or five months. Enough that I'm like, if I need to, I can make a wine. But like, no one wants to drink it, really. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I got back into chefing. I was running my own patisserie business and I just needed work part time to help sustain that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I care about wine. I, um, I'll work at Black Arts. So I started working at Black Arts just part-time and it was just such a fun job, but very casual. Um, I actually didn't, I'm going to be very transparent. I didn't know a lot about beer at the time. Like I really knew next to nothing about beer. Um, and this would have been about six or seven years ago. Um, and I always, I remember the time because my partner and I have been together for six years and we met in stores. So <laughs> I worked there for as long as we've been together. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had <laughs> I had this experience working in the store because obviously you need such a high level of product knowledge to work in like a very craft bottle shop. You need to really understand wine. You need to really understand beer. And I knew a lot about wine, but I didn't know as much about beer. So I started to educate myself and I started to learn a lot. And I felt like I really understood a lot about beer and brewing. And and I I became really passionate about it. And I just had this like really, really constant experience where men would come into the store and say, do you know anything about beer? And like question me with an assumption that I wouldn't know anything about beer. Um, Mm -hmm. And it drove me crazy because it's like, there's very few other situations where someone comes into your job and will say, do you know anything about your role here? Like it's, it would, it was wild to me that people would assume that I wouldn't know because I was like, I, I, I couldn't keep the job if I didn't know about it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do my role if I didn't educate myself and know. So I I got really annoyed. Like I got really, really mad about it. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? And I'm like, (laughs) I I can be like a little bit spiteful. This is like a bad personality trait of mine that I can use also as a power. (laughs) But I got so sick of it that I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn everything there is to know about beer. And when someone asks me, I'm just going to like 
go so into it that they're going to be intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> and then people will stop assuming that I don't know, um, which is what I did. Know that logic very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just I learned everything that I could learn and I put so much energy into learning and then – our beer buyer, he he left, and I think at the time they were like, "Well, we'd love to hire someone that we already like have in house, who's really into beer." And um, the general manager at the time was like, "Cherry, Cherry's Cherry's the gal. Like she knows so much about beer." So I got my job out of spite. <laughs> so good though. <laughs> That's the long answer. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I think, and it, it's really interesting though, because one, I think there's probably a lot of women in our industry who've been around for a few years now who have a very similar story as to how the hell they ended up here in the first place, which is I just needed, I felt I needed to prove myself. So I went to learn a whole lot more. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I ended up here as well. Yeah, I think you're right. That. Yeah. I think it is a common story. And as much as it was like a real career sidestep, it kind of in a way like wasn't in that like running a kitchen and being like a head chef is not so dissimilar no, to like seen most of your, your job as a head chef is like stock rotation and purchasing kind of thing. So it's yeah. it's similar. But it's yep, also palate. Absolutely. Like you already clearly had a developed palate. So then it was just learning the lingo and understanding how beer is made and the ingredients that go into beer, which is so similar to cooking or, you know. Like- totally. And also, like, I know a lot about yeast. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a patisserie chef, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I have some more questions about this, but I think first, being a beer buyer, especially being a beer buyer for essentially what is now a large chain of very craft stores. I mean, if you – look at the landscape of retail in beverages at the moment, Blackhearts is a really good story of staying really focused on things that are really good, really quality, but still totally. like every neighborhood now almost has like a Blackhearts and Sparrow store. And I have one 500 meters away from my front door and we were really excited when it opened. What does a week look like for a beer buyer of 14 craft stores? Yeah. yeah, wow. That is a good question because it's always different. Um, <laughs> I also have to say it's not a chain. I feel like if my boss hears this, right, it's right. not a like- chain in any way. I, you're right. I really should have worded that differently, but it's <laughs> a concept that exists in 14 different places. <laughs> we always, like always in the newspaper, people are like, bottle shop chain. And he's like, we're independent. <laughs> Um, Wait, so can we kind of explain that as well? Like, what does differentiate Blackhearts and Sparrows from a chain? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, it's owned by um, Jess and Paul, who are brother and sister, um, and it's 100% independently owned. So um, it's, I mean, it's 14 stores, but it still feels like a small business. Like, we all know each other quite, like, really well. It's, It's quite a family vibe. Like, it's... They're people that you can go to and kind of say like, hey, I've got a family thing. I need to take days off. And they'll understand. It's not like a, a big business kind of vibe. It's like it's definitely like it's small, it's independent, and it's very much about – it's about people. Like that's at the heart of it. Um, 
whenever we talk all together as a business, the owners make it very clear that it's not like we're here to dominate the industry or we're here to, um, I don't know, like we're here to be. Yeah, Yeah, they're about people. They're about working with people that they like and not just that they like but that they want to support small small businesses and small industry and and i think because that's what this business has been for a long time so i think it's about looking after people as well as yeah. as good products and that's nice like that's a real feel good vibe of a business to be with because like there's no push on me ever and i think in different like industries and different buying roles there can be such a push to screw people over like yeah. make the most money like cut the sharpest deal but there yeah. is like always of course like cherry do your job well but there's no like uh expectation that I would ever do anything that would put another business out and that's it's a nice position for me <laughs> yeah yeah that's um cool. but yeah a daily a, a daily or weekly kind of thing what do I do is um I mean logistics are probably the first two days of my week it's yeah, just like imagine yeah <laughs> ordering um moving stuff from store to store warehousing stuff like that kind of takes up two whole days of the week and then just um working we have a creative team which is really fun so working with them on any projects that we're doing uh, we recently just got an in-house graphic designer, so he's part of that. Um, so if we're doing any collaborations, kind of like briefing him on like ideas of like label art and posters and things like that. So there's like a big creative role um, to it as well, which is really fun. So that kind of takes up maybe half a day a week. And then from there, it's a lot of meeting with people, um, yeah, talking to brewers, trying beer, like I'll sit down a couple of times a week and just, yeah, (laughs) take notes, like just 20, 30 beers in front of me, take notes, and I'll do that a couple of times a week. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) That's the whole week done. I mean, but it's really, I mean, it's really important. And I think maybe I don't want to downplay how influential your role is in our industry because you're essentially deciding what goes on the shelf So what goes out to consumers, like your average consumer who cares about buying something that tastes good, you're the, you're essentially the gatekeeper there. So you're kind of like the taste maker. I think I take that responsibility quite seriously. Like not, not just for like a good beer point of view, but like, um, yeah, I think there is really a a unique opportunity to, um, support local businesses and yeah to support people that are great and are doing really great things ethically within the industry and I think I I try and be as conscious as I can about that when I am buying so a lot of my decision making isn't just made on good beer it's also made on like ethically how do I feel about this and do I think it's the right decision and it's something that I put a lot of energy into yeah and yeah like you do it so well um thank you (laughs) I try yeah but like the I think that especially and especially for smaller like Melbourne breweries that are coming up um and craft breweries it's so important for someone who's making good beer to get into black hearts and sparrows like that's a major account to secure and also can really help kind of propel a brewery that maybe not everyone knows about and put Mm -hmm. them 
out there like and I mean prime example is what we're drinking right now but like Molly Rose when he started rolling out like for you guys to really have his in-store tastings and all of that stuff like I would I would imagine that that was a huge influence just to get his cans on the shelves in Black Hearts and Sparrows because the people that go to Black Hearts and Sparrows the consumers that go to Black Hearts and Sparrows I think are people who are really looking for something um yeah, something really good. And you trust anything that you're going to get there. I think that's something that's really important to us as well in that um, we try, like every wine that goes on the shelf is tried before it goes into the store. And I try nearly every single beer that goes onto the shelf and write tasting notes for all the staff. So it's like, it's a very much like I would vouch for every product that I stock sort of thing, Um, which I think, and that doesn't mean everything is to my taste. Like there'll be styles of beer that I'll be like, you know what, this isn't probably the style that I would drink every day, but out of all of these styles, this is one that I think is the best example of it. So Yeah, which leads me to craft beer is an industry mm-hmm. mainly built by men, you know, with their palates and the race to the bitterest. So we know scientifically that women tend to be better at tasting than men, do you think that this makes you a better, like a better buyer being a woman than realistically the majority, the ma- not all, but the majority of <laughs> buying for retail are men? Sure. I mean, um, yeah, I think it gives, I think I can be very, objective about it like I think I definitely take myself out of what I want and what I like and instead of because I think a huge mistake that you could make as a buyer is um kind of going this is the best I want this like this is the best beer and I think maybe you can get really like caught up in trends and things like that and and then you don't end up with a balanced range and you just end up showing like one portion of the industry and I think that can be quite like a a negative thing to do because you're not you're not supplying something that everyone wants like I I want someone to be able to come in and get like yeah their dankest west coast IPA but I also want someone to come in and be like look I don't know a lot about beer what's something that's going to be approachable and easy drinking and that I can enjoy and not have to be punched in the face by rocks like I want there to be like all those like different things covered and I think um yeah I think an issue can be that people can get too uh obsessed with it just being like this is the trend this is the focus and then you exclude everyone else that doesn't like that trend and like not yeah and that's bad business like it's bad business but it's also just like it's kind of shitty behavior because it's like saying there's only one good thing allowed and you lose whole styles of beer if that's how you do things. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, what we're talking about overall in the industry and which is really kind of how you and I started talking a little more, more recently is just about diversifying not only within our industry, but the audience. So I think just thinking about how to make a more friendly shopping experience, mm-hmm. not just for women, but for everybody, totally. I think that's kind of, what it sounds like you're talking to and and I'm kind of interested to know like do you have some opinions or even like I don't know because we're kind of also talking through like what are the solutions to the problem so 
how can we always be considerate of like a more friendly shopping experience totally i think there's a lot of ways in doing that i think that's like um i mean having a diverse range is so important i think i think you can really go too far in one direction and and get a bit snobbish about things and then someone like I always make sure that there's a couple of lines in the fridge that are kind of maybe not seen as like super super nerdy crafty beer that someone like you know your uncle from Queensland I can say that because I come from Queensland um, (laughs) will come in and be like where's the beer for me and it's like it's right here like it's it's here for you because you don't want to exclude everyone um But in saying that, there's a lot of ways I think that you can be more inclusive in your ranging. I think, I mean, I always do think very consciously about ranging um, businesses that are like beers that are brewed by women, businesses that are run by women. But then also just on a really, really basic level, I think a lot about like um, label art (laughs) is one that I think about (laughs) so, so much. And I have like a really firm rule that if anything is objectifying a woman on a label, we just don't stock it. Like we just don't stock it. And I will tell the people, whoever sends me the samples, I'll say to them, hey, I'm not stocking this. And these are the reasons. This is an industry that has been historically and still is quite, um, it excludes women. Like this is an industry that historically hasn't been for women. And by doing this, you're pushing us out even more so not only do we feel uncomfortable because the industry doesn't feel like it's a place for us you're also sexualizing us while we're here and there's no room for that and there's no room for that in our fridges so change your label and come back to me (laughs) thank you and it's with somebody who likes to buy beer a lot thank you like that genuinely means a lot to know that there's somebody considering what goes on the shelf based on like making sure everybody wants to feel comfortable picking totally. it up. Yeah, because it's totally. not just women, right? Like it's always, it's also making sure that there's no racial or um, uh, I'm just going to bring it up, like the colonial situation last year. Um, like just taking that kind of stand on things, I think is really admirable and also incredibly important. Um, because I think, Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, because we like trying to diversify the industry and Blackheart seems to actively be trying to do that. And you seem to actively be trying to do that. Then putting something in a fridge. Yeah. That isn't comfortable for everyone. It automatically is like, oh, well, I'm going to walk away. Or if there are advertisements, you know, you see billboards somewhere of something and it's, yeah, sorry. I just lost my train of thought, but yes. Oh, no, I am. Uh... <laughs> I think it's something so important. And I think in in what I'm about to say, I also have to preface this in that, like, I come from, like, quite a place of privilege. Like, I am a white woman. There's, like, a lot of privilege there. But in saying that, like, I am a woman and I am queer and I've worked in hospitality for my whole life. And that has been really, really hard. Like, yeah. I, from a very young age, it was made very clear for me to me that it's like, this is not a space for you. You are less than, this is not where you should be. And so many women stood up for me. Like I've had so many wonderful experiences in hospitality of like women who are like, uh, like 10, 15 years older than me, like really standing up for me and like making space for me in the industry. And I feel like I'm at a point in my career that I'm like, now it's my turn. Like it is my turn to make this better for other people. And as much as that is like 
so exhausting. I think it would be a lot easier if I turned up to my job every day and just didn't care and just did the work and it makes extra work, but it's like, it's, it's my turn. And that's also really, really exciting because I like to think of what the industry is going to be for the next generation under us. And, and to be part of that, like to be part of that movement is that's a cool thing to do. And cause I look at the women who did that for me and that's, that's a big deal. They made the workplace so much better for me. So yeah. Can I ask a question? And I think that this is something that I don't know, I'm maybe dealing it like with it myself, but like why the beer industry? Why is why is that where you're going to make the change? And like what propels you to continue in an industry that can be so, you know, against you <laughs> so often? Like what really propels <laughs> you to keep going within this specific industry? Um, I mean, honestly, it would be any industry that I was in. Um in kitchens, it was the same. I really have uh, a low tolerance for injustice. <laughs> uh, I think it's to my detriment sometimes. When okay. I think, sorry? I think it's okay to have a low tolerance for injustice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I have like such a strong feeling of like when something is unjust, I'm like, isn't someone going to do something about this? <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it's my job. <laughs> um, so it doesn't matter. It, I would be doing this in kitchens. I would be doing this in any industry that I was in. This is the one that I'm in and it needs some work. So yeah, I'm going to do it here. Uh, but I think in saying that, I think I have definitely been drawn to industries that are like that mm-hmm. because I don't know. I think... I think it's important work to be done. And I think that um, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, not the bad parts of it, but it's enjoyable to make change. Yeah. Do you think beer can save the world? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think think every industry can if we chip away at things the best we can. I don't think any one thing can, but I think if everyone does their part, their small part, I think... um, I think that can. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to be done. And I think, you know, being able to have this conversation with you today is it's important in in having really just like the people who like beer start to understand that there's very considered choices about what's available to you, what's on the shelf. It's, you know, unless you're buying direct from the brewery, that there's more than just does this beer taste good? Will this beer be popular with the customers who come in? Like there's a lot more to consider. And it honestly means a lot to know that there's people with those considerations because what it comes down to is like, who do you support with your dollars, right? Totally, totally. We all know that there's, you know, people in places we don't spend our money because we know, you know, we have our whispers behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and we know, but it's like, when you start to see that kind of change being made, what's on the shelf and what's on the tap in places, that's how we're going to start to change the change things for good. Mm-hmm. And I think people know. Yeah. I feel incredibly lucky to be in a position where I can do that too, in that um, Paul and Jess, the owners of Black Arts, give me so much freedom and so much um power to do those things and never once have they questioned a choice that I have made about ranging on an ethical decision like 
there's been a couple of times that I've come to them and been like, hey, look, I've had this really awful experience. I need to, like, I, I don't think that this brewery, we, I don't think we can stand behind this. And never have they gone like, Cherry, this is a bad choice financially for us or anything like that. They've just said to me like, hey, if you think this is the right thing, we trust you on this. And that's Amazing. That's big. Like that's big for a, a business. And I think there's a lot of businesses and a, a lot of jobs that I've had where I've been like, I, I want to do something about this, but I've had no power to do it. It's massively empowering and it's good to have, you know, some more women who are, you know, gaining experience and leadership in our industry to start to be in a position to make these changes. Yeah. It means a lot. Hey, yeah. so... Before we get too deep down these things, I will – so I asked you, because it was going to be too hard to manage blind tasting virtual, mm-hmm. we'll figure that out at some point. But yeah. in the meantime, I asked you for a beer that's available at Blackheart stores because mm-hmm. we all have one local to us, so it made it really mm-hmm. easy. Something we could all drink together today. So you had us grab the Molly Rose Kuro? Kuro? Japanese star blogger. Yep. Let's let's talk through what we're tasting because it's really interesting. And and also we kind of both noticed uh it's a little low on the shelves, so people are definitely buying it, which is very cool. Yeah, it's such a good beer. And I think um Lindsay, you brought up um Molly Rose before because you used to work there, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. What you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so I met Nick when um I, I was really new as a beer buyer and he hadn't actually opened the brewery at that point. <laughs> and he was just the nicest person. <laughs> we just, our first meeting, we had like the loveliest interaction. And I was, I was kind of shocked because I had had like a week of just terrible, like just people who didn't want to have to deal with me and were turning up to these meetings being like, oh, there's a woman. Like, I thought you were going to be a man. Like, that kind of vibe was happening very, very, like, a lot at the start of the role. I just turned up to this meeting and Nick was just, like, so lovely and so kind to me. And throughout my whole time um, as a buyer, he's my go-to, like, he's the person I call with a brewing question because I know he's never going to be, like, what you don't know that or like be rude or condescending he'll always be like oh of course and like spend half an hour explaining it to me kind of thing. <laughs> it's it's a brewery that I love yeah that's amazing I think this is a really interesting beer for me because I've been drinking a lot more lagers recently mm-hmm. so yeah, the more too. interesting lagers we can drink is kind of more fun so like this is a Japanese dark lager but it's like smoky and savory but mm-hmm. still has like a super clean finish outside of the smoke sitting on your palate. Mm-hmm. And plus, like you can look at it, it's quite dark. You get a lot of like really nice multi notes from it as well. And I think there's such a lovely like salinity from um because there's kombu in it. Yeah. yeah. Which is so cool. It's not an ingredient that you would think. I mean, I've seen a couple of beers with um like seaweed in them. I think Sailor's Grave do a bit, but mm-hmm. it's it's such a good flavor, it's such a good umami flavor. Yeah, and it does add that, yeah, that beautiful salinity. Um, salinity. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is absolutely one of my favorite beers. When it rolls out in the winter, I get so excited. Yeah. <laughs> it has so, so much depth as well. Like there's yeah. so many layers. And I think um, uh, 
it, it's something that I think you can really sit with for a long time and and get so much out of as it kind of you pick up different notes and yeah. Yeah. I um I just did a I've organized beer pairings for toasties at Maker and Monger. Um, oh cool. Which is fun, but Kuro is one that's going with the spicy the pimento toasty, which is it yes. is a bomb pairing. So if that anyone's was first thing I thought of when I tasted this beer is like one, I want this with food. Specifically I want it with cheese and I want it with spicy cheese. Yeah. So like the pimento cheese toasty with this beer would be so it is mind boggling how good it is. Because when Anthony came to me and was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing beer pairings for our toasties, because I worked at Maker and Monger for a bit as well <laughs> during the pandemic. And I know the toasties like the back of my hand. And the first one, like I brought in a bunch of beers to go through, but the one that I knew was just a sure, absolute 100% was Kuro with that pimento mm-hmm. cheese toastie. And it, it, it just, oh. I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody needs to- really want a cheese toastie. Hey. <laughs> I really want a cheese toasty now. (laughs) It's so good. But yeah, so, I mean, you can't have it in store there at the moment, obviously, because here we are again. You're at the Black Hearts in the market and get a takeaway toasty. He can sell takeaway. So he can, he has the beer on hand to sell takeaway. Um, So you can get a toasty that you can cook at home and take the beer home with you. Um, Oh, it's, it's really good, guys. Please go try it. It's so good. It's outside of my 5K. Yeah. Well, when you you know when it's open again, when when that (laughs) limit goes away. But like this beer begs for food. I think. Um, Yeah, agreed. Any kind of in like a very because it's super dry and has like a Mm. nice bitterness on the finish, and it's like it's like that light smoky bitterness on like the end that just sits around, and you're like. This needs some cheese. Yeah. Mm. Cheese or like, I think as well, oh man, I just want to have it with like a beef broth ramen. Oh. Okay, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, Now I'm hungry, guys. Yeah, me too. It's locked (laughs) out. I'm always hungry. (laughs) Yeah. All I do. We were going to talk to start talking to Anthony and Maker Amonger about getting us cheese pairings for these podcast episodes. So good. Uh, <clears throat> Anthony, if you're out there, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I think this is actually really, this is a fun, you know, we're recording this. It's Saturday afternoon. No one's going anywhere because we're locked down for at least another five days. This mm-hmm. is a really nice afternoon. Like, really, you're right. You could sit on this for a while and just really enjoy it. For sure. It's only going to get, it's kind of like more interesting as it warms up. It's not one of those. Smash it out while it's still cold kind of beers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Cherry, what are some other beers? Because, like, you get to taste a lot of beers before they're out there to anybody mm-hmm. else. So what are some other beers that you're finding really exciting right now? Oh, such a question. Do you know when people ever, like, when I ever get asked this, because um, James from Crafty Point, he does his, like, half-yearly kind of, best beers of the year and then he does it again at the yeah. end of the year mm-hmm. and every single time he does it I blank like I just I can't <laughs> think of anything that I've drunk because sometimes I'll have like 40 beers in a week and I can't <laughs> think of anything I'll be like sitting there being like what what 
do I even like? And I always ended and be like, do I like beer? I can't think of anything I like. And it's like there's so many things that I liked yeah. that it's, it becomes really like, it becomes a bit meta, like, yeah. what was good? What's in your fridge? What's in your fridge at home? Exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, I just, I just went shopping today, so... Um, <laughs> There's a couple that's of what we do on Saturdays in lockdowns. <laughs> I, essential beer shopping. Yep. Um, went to the Blackouts. Um, so I, I've been drinking a lot of lager. Mostly I've been drinking darker lagers, but I um, got some of the Burnley, um, their Hellas, which yes. so I love. Cool. Burnley Brewing, uh, brewing is like um, at the moment it's one of my, my tops. Yeah, I'm just everything that they've been putting out. Um, their Dunkel recently was just like, yes, it was so good. I couldn't stop drinking it. Like, like I think I Chloe dropped some off, and um, she was like, "Oh, share these around," and I just didn't tell anyone that they were there. <laughs> I kept taking one home a day until they were gone. And I was like, "Oh, I was meant to share these." Um, so I have some of their Hellas, their Dunkel I've been drinking a lot of, and I have some Kaiju Metamorphosis, which is like my go-to West Coast IPA. Right. I just, I've always really liked it. It like holds a dear spot in my heart. Um, and I also have the um, the Modus Operandi, their collab they did with Coco Black. Oh, yeah. Oh. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> It's really tasty. Um, I had it at Gab's and it is, it tastes like um, Dutch cocoa. Like it doesn't taste like a, uh, it's not malty by any means. It's more just like bitter Dutch cocoa. And then it has this beautiful sour note through it. And it's just like very clean, but just like, it just tastes like drinking Dutch cocoa. Like it's almost like if you got cocoa and mixed it with water, kind of like that kind of like old school drinking chocolate, Yeah. but like high quality cocoa. And it's just, honestly, I haven't had anything like it for quite a while. It's really, um, it's really unique. Yeah, and right. I told the rep that I was into it and he dropped off a heap of it because I was like, just, <laughs> just keep bringing that beer around. <laughs> so oh, that's what I've been drinking funny. recently. Yeah, yes. how good. Because at Gals, I was so distracted by the Michelada. I didn't taste anything else they had there. Oh, uh, same. The only thing I had from Modus was the Michelada. We're so American. It's typical. So oh, typical. it's embarrassing. <laughs> that sounds amazing, and now I want to go buy a can and it's try tasty. it. Yeah, it's really tasty, and also just like um, I've been drinking a lot of stout too at the moment. I mean, it's weather appropriate, but mm-hmm. we ran um, a staff training on I think it was Wednesday last week. So we do like a staff training every month where we pick a topic and all the stuff come in and we run through like a style of beer and everyone tries like eight different styles of that beer. And I was putting it together. So I was like, Oh, I need to find out like the best staff to show the staff for this training. After. And I got very invested. <laughs> so what was the best one the best that you one? chose? Oh, it was so tricky. I mean, cause we like, we looked at eight different styles of dark beer. So I kind of picked one from every style. So yeah, yeah they were all they were all yeah, very but, different. But all good. 
what what was like huh i want to know like want to pick your favorite child i want to i want to know like what if i'm gonna go buy like a stout ish beer at blackhearts right now what am i gonna go buy today okay i would go the garage project snug it's like an irish dry on nitro and it's just it's it's very good (laughs) it's bitter it's acrid but it's creamy it has some lightness to it like it was just it ticked all the boxes it was it was a real tasty all right. Good representation of the style, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. But also, like, on the other hand, at the tasting, we also had um, Jester King there. They had a bready porter, and I kind of wanted to show the staff, like, a, a style of beer that would have been maybe, like, a better representation of, um, like, porters before people understood, like, yeast and things like that. And it was such a cool beer. Like, it was, it was so funky, and I think that's something that you don't normally see. In, uh, in Portis these days. I like that. I do like pretty much everything Jester King makes. Though. They make some good beers. <laughs> um, for just, and I don't know, I'm going to start adding this on to the end of our podcast, Tiff. <laughs> Cherry, if, if there's, <laughs> surprise, if there's, if someone wants to move into a position like yours, mm-hmm. uh, what would you mentor like what would be your suggestions what what are they looking to do like if someone listens to this doesn't realize that a beer buyer is actually a thing mm-hmm. um what what are your suggestions i mean i think education is always like one of the main things of just like teaching yourself as much as you can reading books like i'm a i'm a big advocate of sitting down and reading a textbook <laughs> i'm an old school nerd <laughs> um i think yeah, try a lot of things, read a lot of things, um, turn up, like turn up to, to beer events, to, um, to tastings, to things like that and, and introduce yourself. And I think, um, yeah, let people know that you're interested. I think that's such a big thing because I think, um, sometimes people don't know that you're keen for like different positions or roles. And I think sometimes you have to be a bit like, Hey, I really like this. I'm interested in it. And, and I want to know more. And, and quite a few of like the staff within Black Hearts will send me emails and be like, if you ever need some assistance, like, oh, I'm your person. <laughs> and they're like the first people I will go to whenever like an opportunity comes up. So I think put your hand up as much as you can, introduce yourself to people and, and learn as much as you can. Yeah. That's Good. awesome. Good advice. And I have one more question because we've also said that we need to start offering solutions to the problems that exist in our industry rather than just highlight and point them out. Yeah. All right. So if we were to direct the industry to consider more equal audiences, diverse audiences when brewing or creating a beer and creating packaging, what would we, I don't know, what, what do you think we can do just to kind of direct people to consider that more? Um, yeah, I think, um, speaking about it as openly as possible. Like I always try and give very clear feedback on why I don't want to stock something and why it's inappropriate. I'm a big like advocate of like speaking up whenever I see something and it's, oh, it's uncomfortable. Like I know there's a lot of people in the industry that are like, cherry is the worst (laughs) because sometimes someone will say something to me and I'll be like, no, I don't like that. I don't like what you just said. Like, you know, I think sometimes speaking up and it's like, it's a shit solution because I think it it puts the work back on, on women to have to, um, 
advocate for themselves. But I think, honestly, I think the solution is is men doing that now. And I've had this conversation with a lot of brewers and a lot of um, reps within the industry um, and said to them, like, it's it's not my job to talk to you about this anymore. I've spoken to you about it as much as I can. Now it's your job to speak to other people about it. And I think that's important in any industry. I think it's time that the torch (laughs) isn't passed along. (laughs) Women can't keep doing the work. I think men need to really step up and start doing the work and talking to other people there and calling out issues when they see issues. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Totally, totally. Love it. Thank you. Oh, Cherry, thank you for everything that you do. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time out of your Saturday to chat with us. And oh, thanks for having me. It's and been wearing so a red good. lipstick. So <laughs> yeah. What you, you guys can't all the feels. I'm gonna go put on. lipstick on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real science of finding the right lipstick for tasting a lot of beer, right? Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> I take these things seriously. Yeah, it's important. Seriously. It's, you know, something not everybody in our industry has to consider, but <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much. Terry, where can we direct people to find you on the internet or in person if they want to ask you any other questions or anything or I don't know follow you on Instagram maybe not in person (laughs) (laughs) banging on a door I feel like half of the beer industry knows where I live after lockdown (laughs) (laughs) dropping off samples at my door but um yeah I am on Instagram at cherry the chef excellent where can we find you as always as always you can I find me no we always finish with this <laughs> you can find me at talk beardy to me and um it's b-e-r-d-y um <laughs> or crack the ceiling podcast we have an instagram we do we have an instagram we've got uh we've got an email address or crack this you know crack the ceiling podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. so follow us yep. if you guys have any questions for us or for cherry Pop them into our Instagram and we will pass along any information that comes up and we will see you guys all again soon. So Cherry, thank you so much for your thank time. You, this Cherry. has been an amazing chat today. Oh so, great. It's been lovely to talk to you both. Really thank inspiring. You. Cool.